Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. All right, all right. Welcome, everyone. This week's podcast, podcast number five, starts now. Today's date is November 25th. I think we're two days before Thanksgiving, one day before the largest party night of the year. And I'm partying here in our Herman London studio because I've got our international public speaker and educator, Darren Hefkin from Hitch Asset Management, sitting here in the studio with us, along with, of course, our producer, Joey Vosovich. And we are going to really dig into things tonight, Darren. I've got a lot of detailed questions for you, but why don't you say hello to the group here? Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. Excited to see the show. Heard a lot about it, so <laughs> excited to see that I'm you know, welcome to be a part of it. Absolutely. Darren's been a realtor with our company now for at least a few years, right? You were on our I first... I think we're going on four and a half years now. Four and a half years now? Great. Okay. And you've probably bought and sold more properties than anyone I know. Is that possible or not? Well, I don't know who else you know, but I've bought and sold a lot of properties in the last couple of years, flipping and buying rentals and holding on to things. So we do a, a lot of different type of deals, both retail and uh, wholesale and otherwise. I don't know if you wanted me to bring this up, but I remember when I met you, you still had a day job and you're kind of wanting to work your way out of that. You're a very analytical person, right? You had your spreadsheets, I'm sure. When did you when did you quit that job? Yep, I have a previous life, 12 years working in IT. So I did IT consulting for 12 years, um, you know, kind of like most people I suspect. I went to school, got my degree, started working in corporate America, tried to climb the ladder, um, got my master's degree because I thought that's what I had to do, and ended up with a whole bunch of student loan debt and sat in the same cube doing the same job I was doing before I got my master's. So I realized that wasn't a, a good fit for me. It wasn't, wasn't really doing it for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I... Um, was working my way out, you know, using real estate as a way to work my way out. And I, you know, worked on building my rental portfolio and creating rental properties and then started uh, buying and flipping, wholesaling and flipping houses. And that was really the uh, kind of my, uh, my gateway to get out of that mess. So I am just over two years now of working full time for myself, supporting myself, paying my bills in, you know, 100% in real estate. Okay, so two years, but let, let me back up a little bit because I, you know, believe it or not, I have a lot of people that come to me, they have a day job, right? And they're kind of looking at real estate as they're out. Actually, we just had an agent we met with, or a person we met with the other day. She's going to join our company. She does a, She's a designer. She wants to get out of that and become a flipper, a rehabber, an investor. I don't think she necessarily knows what it means. Slow down a little bit for me. You said that you started with a buying a portfolio of buy and holds yep, or I, rentals exactly i started building my rental portfolio see i had you know i had an it job i had a pretty solid income the bank would lend me money so i was able to buy property and typically i would buy them and rehab them and put tenants in there and the reason i did that was because i wanted to have a solid cash flow every month what i was looking for you know in an ideal world is i was looking for a way to cover my known expenses, my house payment, my car payment, put food on the table. Okay, get out of the rat race type of thing. Exactly. And then I didn't have to, if I could do that, that gave me a comfort level that I could leave the, the nine to five and the steady paycheck so that I didn't have to you know, worry about how am I going to put food on my table, how am I going to pay my bills this month. My rental, my rental checks would help pay those bills. And then every time I flipped the house or I rehabbed the property or I wholesaled something, I could decide what am I going to do with that money? Am I going to you know, pay down debt, student loan debt primarily? Am I going to buy another rental property or what am I going to do with it? Okay, so you 
you bought houses and you rehabbed them straight up. You didn't just buy houses that were in decent condition already and just rent those out. You did have to do rehabs up front. Yeah, I, I typically, um, I, I've always been kind of, ha- I've always kind of had a, a uh, I guess, a proclivity to find those things that need the work. Um, part of that is probably because my dad is a CPA and he's built in or you know beat into my head, you know, get things cheap and and save your money. So I know I knew that if I bought things that needed work, I could get them at a, a significant discount. And the more I rehab, the more I can manage my costs and lower the, the cost to do it. So I'm, in essence, instead of bringing, check to, uh, uh, bringing a check to closing for my equity, I'm creating the equity myself by rehabbing the house and building the equity into the deal. By the way, the only way I was able to get Darren here tonight is because I owed him a check. So he had to come and pick up a check while I was here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, but Darren, let me kind of... Let me keep asking you questions if you sure, don't absolutely. mind, all right? It sounds like you sort of mentioned three things that you do. I'm sure you do a lot more, but I heard wholesaling, I heard flipping, I guess, or rehabbing, and buy and hold. Is that right? You have are those the three main things that you do? Yeah, I mean, I think that every, um, I think that most mature real estate investment companies should have at least three streams of income coming in. Okay, you know, it's the act on the active side, it's wholesaling and, and flipping houses. So it's Buying property, selling that property to other investors, typically. Wholesaling means you buy it, you literally do nothing to it. Or you came up with your own term, didn't you? Uh, well, I mean, you can do it like a prehab. Prehab, that's right. Yeah. That's a Darren Hafkin you original, can, as far as I know. You can. Uh, I, I won't argue that. I won't, I won't confirm. I will neither confirm nor deny that. So you buy it junkie, you clean it up a little bit. Yeah. So like, if I if I found a house that a hoarder was living in, uh-huh. right? So somebody that you know they just buy all kinds of stuff and, and they just cram it into their house and then. That, that person dies and the kids get stuck with this house full of junk, you know, what we could do is we could buy that house from them and then I could put the dumpster out front. One of my guys will cling all the junk out of the house. Well, I've added value to that. The rehabber who wants to buy that house can now see what they're dealing with. Okay. So doing things like that, you know, that's kind of a kind of in between wholesaling and rehabbing. In a, right. a pure wholesale sense, I don't even buy the house. I just sell the contract. A to C, or is that what they call it? Well, I mean, you know, if I do an assignment. So, I mean, I could put the property under contract. I could find you who wants to buy this house. Mm-hmm. And I can, in essence, sell you the contract. Okay. So I never own the house. I'll okay. just sell you the interest I have in the contract or in the house. Now, do you do a lot of those? I don't do too many of those because I really would prefer to own the house and make a bigger check. Make the bigger check on it. Yep. That's kind of your quick money. Yeah. Is that something somebody could do if they're saying, I want to get into real estate? I have literally zero money, Absolutely. but how can I do this? Absolutely, yeah. Like, if if that's the that's the primary way you're going to get into the real estate business and make money without any 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 money at risk, find someone who wants to sell their house for very then, very cheap, and then call me, and then call Darren, and he'll pay you. What's normal? A couple grand more, a hundred thousand more, or what? Uh, depends on the size of the deal. Uh, really, what it turns into is if I the rehabber. I'm happy with the numbers, then I don't care how much money you're making. It doesn't matter if you found the house, the person found the house for free or paid a dollar for it. You and can wants sell, to sell it to me it for, to you 20 for grand, 20 grand. If I'm going to make 30 or 40 on the rehab, then I'm happy. You're still going to, okay. And you, you won't necessarily ever know what they bought it for, depending on how they get it, right? Yep. Correct. Okay. So that's a good little tip there. If you want to get into the real estate business, find a great deal and then call Darren and he'll give yeah. you a couple grand extra. Now you have a couple more grand, do a few of those. Now you could do a what? A rehab? Or yeah, a then you hold? get into the rehab space because you, you don't even need tons of money to get into rehab. You just need, you know, a hard money lender. And, you know, here here in St. Louis, there's a ton of hard money lenders that will lend locally. So 
So, you know, you may need a little bit of money that, you know, your skin in the game, kind of like your down payment. So you may need a little bit of money. So a few wholesale deals to, to generate that. But otherwise, you can use that hard money lender and do the rehab yourself. Okay. So do you have a hard money lender you want to mention or not? Nobody I've cleared yet. No. Nobody I've cleared no, yet. No, okay. Nobody that I've, I've, uh, I've made aware that I may be publicizing. There is the hard money lending game, is that where it's kind of like backroom stuff? Or is that like you can Google hard money lenders yep. and they'll come up? Yeah. Google hard money lenders in your zip code. You'll get all kinds of them. There are some that lend nationwide. There are some that are, lend very local. There are some guys that lend very local to St. Louis that when you're in the real estate circle in St. Louis, which is it's a, you know, a little concerning to how small of a family it is and how we all know each other. But when you're in that, that network in St. Louis, you, you learn about who those players are. And you know, they all have their own rules on what kind of deals, where, what part of town, how much money they lend. But you can get get in on that and they will absolutely provide you the funding to, to flip a house if it meets their criteria. So do I have to like be worried about anything? Do I need a special contract with them or is it them that should be worried? Cause they're giving me all the money. Well, they're going to vet the deal out, right? I mean, they've got risk as well. So it's, it's hard money. You're going to pay more than what you're thinking of for like a traditional bank. Uh huh. You know, you, uh, you know, to set your expectations, think about credit card interest rates. That's right. what you're going to pay for that kind of, money and you don't want to keep their money for very long the goal when you're using especially when you're using hard money is to get in and get out quick quick meaning a month or two yeah i mean well as quickly as possible now and on most rehabs you're going to spend you know four to six weeks at least on the work and then you got to get it listed it depends on how you know how hot the area is what the market is and all the, you know a lot of criteria there how long it takes you to sell the house but you know you really want to plan on being out of that hard money in in four or five months if you can Okay, now we're just kind of doing a, you know, a 10,000, what's that saying? 10,000 feet overview. 10,000 foot view, yeah. 10,000 foot view of your three different types. We've talked a little bit about wholesaling. We've talked a little about rehabbing. What's your third thing you do? Rentals. So rentals is the slow and steady. You're not going to get rich on rentals. Mm -hmm. I think of rentals as wealth building, not get rich. So wholesale, small, quick checks, rehab. You know, a little bit of time in between. You know, they're not fast, but they're typically much bigger checks. Rentals, we're talking a few hundred dollars a month, but we're not getting rich. However, the thing that I love about rentals right now is that, you know, I'm of the opinion that interest rates are just about as low as they're going to be in the next 20 or 30 years, okay. which means you're borrowing money and locking that interest rate in at a very low rate. And so when if interest rates skyrocket up to 12 15% for a, a mortgage, you're still locked in at 4 or 5%. So you can lock that money in. You can lock the money in long-term, 20 or 30 years. So you're locked into your monthly payment for the next 20 or 30 years. At the same time, if interest rates are going up and as, as appreciation continues to go on, um, and I believe that as the U.S. government continues to print money, things are going to continue to appreciate faster and faster. Sure. Okay. And, you know, especially in the St. Louis market, the real estate market here doesn't see the big bubbles, the booms, and the and the bursts that the you know the California, Las Vegas, Florida type market see. So, you know, I think we have a higher likelihood or a, a stable appreciation. So, over the next twenty or thirty years, I have a tenant in this house whose rents continue to go up every couple of years to to match the market. I have appreciation continuing to go up, which increases the value or my equity in the property. Uh -huh. And I have a monthly payment locked in for the next 20 or 30 years at today's dollars. So I have a steady payment locked in, a steady expense locked in, and an increasing cash flow come in. 
Okay, so for the rental properties that you have, all this money that comes in from each rental property, do you save it for a rainy day? Do you save it for reserves? Do you have a garage somewhere full of water heaters or like kind of how do you get into that a little bit with me as much as you're comfortable? Well, I mean, it, it depends on your strategy and what you're doing. When I first started doing this, that rental income was my expenses. I mean, that was paying my bills. That was what kept the lights on. I made, you know, put, put gas in the car. That was paying your bills, your yeah. gas, your food, your beers, exactly. whatever. Yeah. I mean, every time you made me buy drinks, that's what it, that's where it came from. Okay. So, you know, now what we're doing is how, how we, how we plan for it. Um, you know, there are known expenses with rental property. There's the the mortgage payment. There's the taxes. There's the uh, insurance costs. You know, all those are known expenses that you have. But then there's also the unknown. You don't know what kind of repairs you're going to have to do. You don't know what your vacancy is going to be. And if you don't, if you have a tenant not there for a month and you don't receive a rent check for a month, the mortgage still expects their payment. Absolutely. So you've got to build all of that in. So the way we typically do that is. We take all of our known expenses, our, our mortgage, our, our interest, our, I'm sorry, our mortgage, which includes our principal and interest, our taxes insurance, and, insurance. and our taxes, all those fixed expenses. And then we account for about 10% on, on properties that we have touched, meaning we've basically rehabbed them or we've been through them and have updated things as needed. Um, we account for basically 10% of the monthly payment towards expenses and another 10% for management. So I don't have to deal with it. So let's just say your principal, your interest, your taxes, insurance are $1,000 just for easy numbers. You're kind of saving an extra $100 a month for uh, fixes. 10% on the of the rent collected. Oh, 10% of the rent collected. collected. So if, if I'm renting the house out for $1,200 a month, then I have another $120 a month worth of maintenance, another $120 a month on top of that worth of property management. Okay, so do you use a like a reserve account? That you just are putting that extra in this example, you're just putting that extra 120 in there, and then once it gets to a certain, once that reserve, I'm sorry, I didn't give you a chance to answer that question. Do you use a reserve account for that extra 120? I think it's a great strategy when you don't have a large portfolio that throws a lot of cash off. Uh-huh. You know, when you're working on your first, you know, one through five houses, and you're really only talking about you know a thousand to two thousand dollars a month worth of cash flow coming mm-hmm. off of it. You know, I think that's a great strategy because, you know. It sure be a bummer to buy this house, just get a tenant in there, and then you got to replace the roof. Well, there's anywhere from three to seven thousand dollars that you got to come up with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great strategy. Once you have a big enough portfolio that it generates enough cash, or you have other arms of your business that generate enough cash to cover some of that, you know, kind of oh crap moments, uh-huh. then you know I don't typically do that. You know, I, I'm going to use that cash and keep it working. If the cash is just sitting in my account, it's not doing anything for not me. Not doing any good. Okay. As long as I can have, in, I can see in my pipeline that I have plenty of cash in, or I have the ability to increase my borrowing to cover those expenses, then I don't, I don't like having just cash sitting in my account. I want to go and find something for it to do. Okay. Well, for all the properties that we manage here at Herman London, I think there's one of our clients that has us every single month basically hold back an extra hundred dollars and keep it in our maintenance reserve account. Mm -hmm. When I heard that he does that, I was like, I want that too for my properties. So now I've got Tom holding that back too. But I think for me, once that gets to a certain number, you know, per property, 3000 or $5,000 per property, I'll probably say, "Eh, let's start getting that cash over here again. And and it's the same concept of having your, your bank, your, your mortgage, hold on to your escrow, your insurance and your taxes. And we do that. Because that is a known expense, and it's a big expense every year. Um, I would much rather 
you know, just my personal money management style, I would much rather have that known expense that I'm going to have to write a check for anyway. I'd rather that money be pulled out every, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month and stuck somewhere that I can't touch it because I know I have to pay that. You know, uh, an, an unknown expense in the future, as long as I have the cash flow to make sure that I can deal with those kind of things, right. then I'm less concerned about it. Okay, so now do you do you buy any type of rental property, or do you buy only low-end rental properties or high-end rental properties, or what do you do? So it's really a numbers game. Um, right now, when I first started, uh, like many investors, and I'm not sure – I don't know that I advocate this, but when I first started – I was looking at lower end rental properties because the cash flow numbers were really good and I could buy them cheap enough, you know, with, with, you know, in some cases with cash, I could buy them pretty cheap. Um, The downside to that strategy is that those lower end rental properties have typically lower end tenants. Lower end tenants in general are going to be much higher maintenance costs, much higher repair costs, much higher turnover costs. And when the properties do turn over, they're in much less, they're in in much poorer shape. It takes more money to get them rented again. So through the school of hard knocks, I've stopped doing that. Um, We now like to be in that kind of middle income, solid blue collar areas. So, you know, I'm looking at two and three bedroom houses, you know, same thing as a a retail client. I I want a three bedroom, two bath house. Okay. If it's a, if it's a house that somebody would buy, it's a house somebody would rent. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking really, or what are my cash flow numbers? If it's a house somebody would buy, it's a house somebody would rent. Absolutely. And so, do you have a certain percentage of whatever that you want to make on cash flow? Is it like, hey, I better make three hundred a month, or is it percentage? Um, right now, it's it's dollars. I'm, I mean, it, it it's my hard and fast rule is dollars. And if I can't walk away with about two hundred fifty bucks a month on a project that is, is you know, a, a very conservative, solid two fifty a month on it then I'm going to look long and hard at why am I doing it. However, that number will go down if I like the area a lot. If it's an area I know I can rent quickly, if it's an area I know that um, values are very stable or you know I believe that are going to increase in value in the near future, then I'm going to accept a little bit less cash flow because I expect a better long-term payoff. So if you, you're willing to buy a property, let's just say for $150,000, even if you know you're only going to make one two hundred fifty dollars a month on it. Yep, absolutely. That's two hundred fifty bucks a month I didn't have before. I have banking partners that will help me finance those things because I have history and relationships. Okay. So I'm not really out one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'm leveraging other people's money to do that. Okay. Well, let me jump into the rehab stuff with you a little bit. Okay. Um, whenever I've brought you a deal, potential deal for you to buy. You always show up, or at least you used to. Now you don't anymore, but you used to show up kind of with your iPad and you were making little calculations and stuff. What did you use before? And what, I guess you don't do that anymore because you just know now or what? Yeah, I mean, I still have a – I know what what it costs me to do things. I have you, a, a, When you say that, you mean how much is it going to cost you per square foot for carpet? How much is it going to cost you to paint a house and that kind of exactly. thing? Exactly. I mean, I know – but see, at a much higher level, when, when I meet with you walking through the house the first time, I know things like – this house needs a new kitchen. It's going to cost me ten grand. Okay, so you don't need to count how many cabinets there were. The only thing I typically count are windows. Okay. Because that's an easy thing to count, and it's a fixed number per window, roughly. Okay. But all I'm looking for is to get into the ball game, right? You know, every time that we've done, we, we've we've you know looked at property together, I've said, hey, I need to be around here. Uh huh. If I can be around here, then let's talk and let's see if we can tighten it up, and then I'll bring my crew in if there's anything questionable that I'm not comfortable with. 
Okay, or if it's a close negotiation or something like that. Exactly. You or, you know, more detailed. Because I, I have tools that help me calculate, here's how much money I'm going to make on this based on how much I buy, how much I spend on rehab, how much I, how long I hold it, what we sell it for, all of that. And I can then decide, hey, if the seller is not willing to you know, come down another $5,000, am I going to be okay with those numbers? Are those tools that you've created, are those tools that you're – speaking company sells or is those tools I can download for free off, you know, Google play. So most of those are tools that I have taken from, uh, the company I work with that I learned how to do this with okay. and, and I speak for now. Uh, most of those are, are those are tools from there and then I've customized them to work for our business. Now, can I ask you a little bit about your speaking? Can I jump sure. off to the side? Absolutely. So where, where do you speak? I travel all over North America. Um, it's kind of my side gig and it turned into, um, it has turned into uh, a passion. It, it's a blast. I love doing it. I travel all over North America. So it's, you know, in the U S and Canada, I usually, uh, will travel out on a Friday. I will go and teach a two day seminar on the weekend. Um, and the seminar is, you know, a classroom full of people anywhere from, you know, six or eight. I've done it to as many as 70 people at a time and will be, you know, kind of the high level overview of here's how to set up and run your rehabbing business. You know, we'll talk about wholesaling, we'll talk about rental, we'll talk about rehabbing, we'll go look at property every weekend. I go wander three or four properties in a, whatever the city I'm in, and I will find, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll walk through, here's what you want to do, here's how you have to repair it, here's the pieces that you need to take pay attention to, Here, and then here's how to submit the offer. Okay, that's kind of neat. So these are usually kind of new investors or just people wanting to learn a little bit more? Yeah, it's usually a, um, a pretty good mix. I mean, very frequently they're kind of, you know, I call them kind of green, right? They don't have a whole lot of experience in real estate. Most of their, most of them's, most of their only real estate experience is buying the house they're living in. Uh -huh. um, occasionally, you know, pretty, pretty regularly there'll be like some contractors in there that have seen, have been making other people money and they're trying to figure out how to make them make, do this okay. themselves. Um, and then maybe, you know, 10% of the time there'll be people in there that are currently flipping houses, but they're swinging the hammer themselves. They're doing all the work themselves and they're, they're not able to scale it. They're not able to do more than a couple of projects a year because okay. they're, they're doing all the labor and I don't do that. Right. My idea of rehabbing is writing checks. Okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I know you don't drive a truck, right? So is a big, is a big part of that, like just giving people the confidence to kind of just do it. I mean, is a lot of it just going, come on, just do it. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a lot of it is, is people getting out of their own way. Um, you know, there's two sides to that, right? There's the, the kind of people who will jump into it and give it a try and realize that, holy crap, this is hard. Uh -huh. and, and it is. I mean, this is a, this is a, a tough business. You've got to have uh, – it doesn't matter where you play in real estate. If you're you know, on the retail realtor side or if you're trying to wholesale or if you're a landlord or if you're flipping houses, this is a tough business. There's going to be problems. There's going to be problems. And, and no deal ever works exactly the way it should or as easy as it should have or could have. Which really is kind of what keeps it interesting. Exactly. Right? And that, I mean, it's a blast. But, I mean, you've got to have you know, you gotta, you gotta be, you got to be tough. And you can't be somebody that, you know, when the first time things don't work right, don't, you know, you can't just run around and hide, uh -huh. um, especially when you've got a couple hundred thousand dollars of yours or somebody else's money tied up into the project. You've got to, you know, no choice but to plow through and figure this thing out. So I think there's kind of two types of, of uh, people who try to get into rehabbing. It's the people that watch a little HGTV and think, oh, that makes it look easy. We're going to, you know, we're going to buy a house and, and flip it and we're going to make $250,000 and you know, any idiot can do it. And, and that just doesn't happen. Um, you know, there are very few people that can flip houses, especially in St. Louis and make $250,000 on, on the deals. Um, 
and it never happens in 30 minutes either. Like okay, what's the second type of person? Second type of person is somebody who logically knows it takes a lot more work, but they're typically the analytical type person, and they want to know all of the gotchas before they take that first uh-huh. step. And, and it's impossible because you know, there's no way to understand every single possible outcome that could occur before you take that first step. I mean, in theory, that's like why you add that extra 10% on there for the maybes. Exactly. Right? That's exactly right. Or you have the conservative, we don't know what this is going to cost, but let's just add an extra 5000 on top of the rehab cost just in case. Or when you tell me I'm going to sell it for 150000 or 150 to 160 I'm always going to use the 150 At least, probably. Yeah. Right? And, and depends on you know how excited you are about that deal. Maybe I use 140 <laughs> or so. Okay. Okay. So you travel around and you speak to investors. Do you ever partner with those people? I have in the past. Um, you know... I, I'm, I'm happy to partner. I'm happy to look at any opportunity to put something together and to, and to partner. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a matter of you got to bring something to the deal, right? You know, I, I can't bring all the money, all the expertise, and teach you how to do this. You know, I, I'm, you know if I'm trying to flip a house, flipping the house is the priority. If I'm trying to, um, you know, if, if I'm in education mode and teaching mode, then that's the priority. You know, so it depends. But you got to bring something to the deal. And I'm happy to look at, at partnering. And a lot of time what the new person can bring to the table is either bring me a hot deal or bring me – I mean at, at your level, you're not that excited if someone comes to you and goes, hey, I've got 10 grand. Let's partner, right? I mean – or I've yeah, got 50 it, grand. Let's partner. You're like, I can get money. Thanks. Yeah. I mean at, at this point, I'm, I'm not going to turn down money. Um, it's just money is a matter of how much scale we can do. But you know, we've been pretty fortunate and we have a pretty good tra- track record that – um, money is not really our, our, uh, driving force or our, I'm it's sorry, not it's the not our, yeah, it's not our, our bottleneck right now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, finding me the deals and finding me deals that are things that we can do quickly and easily. You know, lately what I've found are, it's easy to find properties if you're willing to put $150,000 worth of rehab work into them. Really? You know, I, I've, I walked through another one this week already that it's a hundred plus thousand dollars worth of rehab and we can do those deals, but it takes a long time. It takes a long time. It locks up a lot of money. It takes a lot of the contractor's time, and it puts a lot of money in one project. So not only does it tie up a lot of money, but it ties up a lot of money for a long time. Exactly. And it ties up your contractors for a long time. Which means I've got a lot of everything tied up in you know one thing of risk, whereas if I could spread that risk across four or five different projects, even if they you know don't you know even if the total amount of time is less, but I have the same amount of money spread across four or five projects, if one of those projects doesn't work right. I have four other projects that are going to help balance things out and be good. Okay, so the best thing someone can bring you is a, a slam dunk deal. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you know, bring bring me a house. I mean, bring me a house. I um, I, and I do this with you, Adam. I, I walk through it and I say, all right, here's here's what it's going to cost me. Here's where I need to be to make the money I need to make on it. And you know, I have pretty pretty set criteria on how I define that. I'm a pretty straight shooter, and I, I kind of pride myself on that. I'm not going to play games and, and tell you I, I need to be here and then, you know, be at, you know, $30,000 and then end up accepting sixty from you, right? You know, I'm not right. going to play those games. I'm going to tell you where I need to be. I need to make a fair profit on things. If I can't make a fair profit on that, then it's not a good deal for either one of us. Well, I'm going to try to ask you this a couple times during the show, but tell me, and also we'll have it on HermanLondon.com under this podcast, but how can I get a hold of you? So if you go out to my website, it's HitchAsset.com. H-I-T-C-A-H-A-S-S-E-T. Yep, dot com. That's it. That's the best place to go. 
And you can either uh, fill out the form, and if you have a deal you want to send us, you have a property, you can fill out the form, and that will go right to my team who will evaluate it and get back to you. As a matter of fact, you'll get an email back from us almost immediately on those. Um, it's got our phone number on there too, and you can dial that number, and if you follow the prompts, you can find me right there. Let me ask you a couple other questions. What is Hitch? Hitch is a nickname I had. Have I told you this story before? I think so. I think I did, yeah. But I wanted for the people here. No, right? okay. So Hitch is a nickname I had. Um, I had some very dear friends of mine who are no longer with us, and they gave me that nickname after a, a long night of, of drinking and doing embarrassing things. So I, it was kind of an homage to the good memory of, of my friends that are no longer with us. Okay, and you mentioned your team. You said, we're going to get back to you real quick. Who, who's this team? What kind of team do you have? So I have a business partner. His name's John, and he manages now all of the construction side of the house. He does. So, so he's over there meeting with your contractors? Yep. He, he spends just about all day working with the contractors, the project managers, the vendors, making sure things are going right. Is on he time the on GC schedule. or like the general contractor? Or is he managing a GC who's managing the plumber or is he managing the plumber? Depends on the situation. Sometimes we hire GCs. Sometimes we hire – we use our regular guys. That okay. We do it so if it's a smaller – one of these smaller deals that you like, then you don't necessarily need a general contractor. Actually, we tend to do it the other way. If it is the – like when we rehab our rentals. Okay. The Typically, the level of finish required in a $100,000 rental house is much different than the level of finish required in a $400,000 house. So we will hire a general contractor and very be kind of very quickly get the rental done. Okay. Get okay. it done, get it clean, get it you know functioning. Less you know, extreme detail necessary. Exactly. Exactly. And when, when it – the property requires a higher level of detail, then John is in there in much more detail. He's very meticulous with those things. Okay, so you have a business partner, John. Mm -hmm. Business partner, John. We have an assistant in our office who does most of our administrative-type work. So she's uh, that's Lori, or LC. She does most of our administrative work. And I have um, an acquisitions person, a marketing person that is uh, full-time, works 40 hours a week for me. She is um, She normally works... Tuesdays through Saturdays. So if you talk to anybody, um, you call us at that time, any time on Tuesday through Saturday, you typically be talking to Ann. She's an acquisitions person, meaning that if someone fills out on your website that they have a house to sell, she's the one who's kind of evaluating the deal? Exactly. Any okay. of the marketing that we, that we send out, she gets the phone calls, she gets the emails, she does all that. She is the first touch because I'm traveling all the time. Uh -huh. So I don't have the... The, uh, the luxury of being able to do that directly. You okay. know? So Anne is kind of the, the gatekeeper, and when things meet our criteria and Anne does all the work and figures out that it's a deal we want, she helps us decide, is this a wholesale deal, is it a rehab deal, is it a rental deal? So she's personable, but she's also kind of analytical, I guess. Oh, she's extremely analytical. Okay, yeah. okay. Who else is on the team? That about covers it. That's our, our team of, of regular people. I mean, I bring in people to fix whatever problems or do whatever – one-off things. I mean, I work with my partner to do some of the design work on the deals. Um, we work with um, John's daughter, does a lot of our staging work on the properties that we rehab. Okay. So, you know, there are other individuals that we work with, but uh, from the, the core team, it's really just the four of us. Okay. And, and you sort of mentioned the staging and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. One of the first rehabs I ever went to that you did, and I think you've kind of kept this since, it's 
it's always the same countertops, right? Is it always the same tile floors? It's always the same paint colors on the walls, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the goal is to keep things as cookie cutter as possible because it's going to allow us to do things quickly. Cookie cutter for you, not necessarily cookie cutter yeah, for Yeah, exactly, because if I buy a house in one particular neighborhood, the buyers that are looking at that neighborhood are going to be different buyers than are looking in a different neighborhood. So I can put the exact same house together, mm-hmm. and as long as they're not – Two houses sitting right next to each other that are going to be on the market at the exact same time. Those buyers are not going to see it and not going to know the difference. Yeah, and it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter exactly. And it's not. Right? And, you know, it's just like a builder does it. The builder, when the builder builds an entire neighborhood, every house in the neighborhood gets the same thing unless the buyer picked options to make adjustments. And so, for you, like you mentioned earlier, the time value of money and like your time is valuable, and so you don't want to be going into every house going, "What color should we paint this kitchen?" Exactly. We have standards for the different price points of things that we do in the different neighborhoods that we work in. So obviously if we're working on a half million dollar house in St. Louis, it's a much different finished product than a first time home buyer, $90,000 house. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, talking to you can kind of make me go both ways. It's like, am I, does this excite me? Do I, does this make me want to do it? Or does it make me feel like, man, this guy has it all figured out. I will never have it figured out like Darren does. It takes a long time to get it figured out. When I, and when I talk to new students, when I'm working with new students, that's a, a pretty common thing because you know, they ask me questions about you know, how my, what my team looks like, how we're made up, and they're like, oh, crap, it's just me, and I got a job. How am I going to put all this stuff together? Uh-huh. You know, it takes a long time. I mean, it takes a long time. It's like any business, though. It doesn't just happen overnight. You know, it takes time to put all these things in place and, and make it happen. And you know, we're fortunate that we've had some success, and we've uh, – you know, we had some good mentors to help us going, and that's one of the reasons why I like to help mentor and, and help people build their business. And you know, we've put things in place to continue to allow us to grow and to scale the business. And for that for that first timer, I mean, it's kind of like just one step at a time, right? I mean, yeah, just do one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the you know how how do you eat an elephant? Just one bite at a time. Focus on whatever the big thing for today is that you need to get done. You know. With what we have in place, we can we routinely are, are working on you know four or five projects at a time. We're you know trying to we're trying to buy uh, two rentals a month consistently you know for the foreseeable future, and I'd like to be able to make that three or four months. So it took some time to put all those pieces in place to be able to to run at that level. You know when we when I first started, it was one deal, do one deal, get that one deal done, and you know when that when that deal got done. Then I started over. Where's my next one? Right. How many deals do you have, or how many rehabs do you have going on now, if I can ask that? Uh, let's see. Right now we have, I think, three. This is shooting from the hip. Um, I think I have three rentals. This, this is great. This is no. how your business should be. If You don't even have to know this exactly. No, I, have, I bought two last week. I bought two rentals last week. So I think we have four rentals going on right now, one rental that is just getting finished this week. So technically five rentals going on right now. And... Um, one rehab that should have been done this week should have been done today and another rehab underway. And that one's got four or five weeks left, I think. Okay. So what is, you have basically two rehabs going on four other, essentially they're rehabs. You're just not going to sell them Correct. essentially. So you Correct. have kind of like six rehabs, five rehabs or whatever going on at once. What do you, what do you think your capacity is? Unlimited. <laughs> well, I mean, at, at one, at some point you get down to money. Right. Okay. Um, you know, right now we have the ability, especially on the rental side, when we're talking about you know hundred thousand dollar houses, um, we have the ability to to consistently keep 
you know, five or six of those things going at a time and keep one or two solid retail flips going at a time. Okay. So, and I mean, ultimately, I guess if you kept growing and growing and growing or whatever, John could get some people working for him that are running that's, around. That's what we're it. in the process of right now is we're bringing on a project manager that will work for John. Okay. So that John can spend less time on the projects and more time, you know, working on the acquisition side and helping us find deals that make sense. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I have so many questions for you. I keep trying to figure out which order I want to ask them in. Um, what is your primary source of finding homes now? Primary source of finding homes. A uh, few things. We do marketing. So um, anywhere from just Craigslist ads to answering Craigslist ads to, um, you know, bandit signs and mailers and those kind of things. So I, I see those big yellow we buy houses signs. Yep. Some of those might be yours. Some of those might be ours. I pointed one of those out to my girlfriend one time and I said, what do you think about that sign? You know, I didn't know how to start the conversation, but you, if those might be yours, you do that on purpose, right? You try to make it look ugly and crappy on purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, they are bandit signs absolutely make the phone ring. I, it, you have very little control over who calls, but they make the phone ring. But you, it's a number, you this is just a numbers game. But you could afford to get a nice sign printed and, you know, it's nice screen printed with your company name and phone number on it. Why the heck do you buy the yellow ones and handwrite them with the marker? Um, you have to think about what kind of buyers we're trying to help. And, and we really truly believe that is that we're not trying to, you know, I make jokes all the time when I train that I'm stealing grandma's house. I'm not really trying to steal grandma's house. The people who contact us and want to do business with us are, are not going to get top retail dollar for their house. And it's typically for one of two reasons. Either their house is in really bad shape because there's something majorly wrong and they can't get retail or they can't wait long enough for a traditional retail sale, uh, a bank funding that may take 30 or 45 days after they get an accepted offer. They can't wait for that for whatever reason. And maybe it's a, a bankruptcy. Maybe they need the money because they had to put mom into the nursing home, whatever it is. So the people who call us that need our help uh, frequently are calling us because of things like foreclosure or bankruptcy or things where the perception is that a big organization, a big company has done something wrong to them and they would rather work with a, a little guy oh. who can, you know, kind of meet with them as, as human beings. So they so want, they want someone who's kind of a smaller guy or whatever. That's yeah. And that's what we try to portray on that phone call. Someone who can't afford a real sign. Basically. Somebody who can't afford a real sign. Yes. Somebody who can afford a, a Sharpie marker and a, a piece of plastic. And I only say that because I know you do that on purpose yep. and it's not like you can't afford real signs. Obviously we do both. Okay. Well, um, what else do you want to tell us about? Cause I'm going to try to wrap it up. I think we've been talking for probably about our length of time here. Um, I could literally sit here and talk to you for another five hours. Cause I'm that damn interesting. You're that damn interesting. I've got a lot more questions <laughs> for you really. Well, we can have uh, a part two then we'll have a part two. Okay. Um, tell, give us some more information about how we can get a hold of you. You know how. So yeah, I mean the the best way to get a hold of me. I'm always interested in in working with anybody who has a a deal. If you're interested in getting into the business, I can talk to you a little bit about that and, and point you in the right direction. Um, you know, I don't do. I just don't have the the time or the capacity to do any personal one on one coaching. But I can definitely point you to, you know, kind of where I got my training and, and who I work with today. Um, to, to get you on board if that's what you want to do, if you're serious about building a business and, and turn this into something. So my website is the best place to come find me. That's hitchasset.com, H-I-T-C-H-A-S-S-E-T. And there's all kinds of 
things on our website. One of the coolest parts about our website that I'm excited about is if you look at the properties that we've done, you, know, you can click on the link and it'll bring up a map and put little pin drops every location of a property that we've done in the last year or so. So that's kind of a neat, uh, a neat feature on there. But you can go out to our website. It's got our phone number out there. You can give us a call. Um, you can you know, give us a call. You'll probably talk to Ann. Um, but you can also, if you have a deal that you want us to look at, one of the things that we do is if you bring us a deal and it's something we can make money on and we end up closing on it and we can make money on it, you know, we will pay you a marketing fee for that, a bird dog fee for that. So we will make that worth your while, and we got a section on our website to send us that referral. And if you send us that referral, we'll uh, we'll we'll see if we can track down the owner and see if we can buy that house. Okay, one last question for you. I want to try to humanize you a little bit. All right, you're not just this huge, rich real estate conglomerate <laughs> that that we might think, right? So you mentioned earlier something about like kind of just doing it, right? I have this saying I always say about my personality that's ready, fire, aim, right? Can I ask you what you do for fun and leading into what is this little side project you have going on? So I, when I started teaching new real estate investors, it kind of turned a, a spark or, or something um, that I really you know, enjoyed the education piece. And one of the things that I've, I've – uh, when you're an entrepreneur, like you, you know – you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of free time when you really love what you do. You, know, mm -hmm. you, you spend all your time doing what you love, which is the same thing as your business. Um, one of the things that I'm, I've kind of evolved into or I am involving into is the side project I'm doing with a buddy of mine. And, um, and it's really about entrepreneurs and helping them grow their business, but not specific to real estate at all. And as it, you know, to, to your point, the, the name of the website there is donebp.com. It stands for done is better than perfect.com. Love it. Get something done. Get it off of the get it off of the off of the books, off the planning stage. Take that first step, even if it's not perfect. I'd rather make some mistakes and learn from those mistakes and move forward and correct those mistakes and get better next time. And, and so that's a project we're working on. Um, you know, it's really you know education, um, helping new investors, kind of hold some not not investors. I'm sorry, helping new entrepreneurs across whatever industry, kind of get past that um, that mindset of of working for somebody else and having somebody else tell you what's right and what's wrong, and not being uh, not having the guts or, or not being brave enough to take that first step or two for fear of what could happen. I love it. There you go. We've just humanized you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, Darren, I, I think that we're probably going to cause a lot of people to have a lot of questions, and I want that. I really want more questions for our podcast. So I'm going to encourage people to email me, podcast at hermanlender.com, ask me some questions. Then we'll be hitting you up. Maybe I'll owe you a check again here sometime soon. I'm just kidding. Perfect. <laughs> we'll get you back here, and we're going to just ask you a lot more questions. Maybe we'll go in depth about a deal or something like that. Perfect. I'd Does love that it. that sound good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Happy to do it. Perfect. Thanks again. Appreciate you. Take care. Absolutely, sir. Thank you. All right. Wow. Okay. That was fantastic. I could ask Darren questions all day long, as you probably heard me say a few times. And uh, we just got our picture of Darren. So if you want to check out our website, HermanLondon.com, click on the blog, click on the latest podcast. This is podcast five, and you can see a picture of Darren here in our studios. And I'm just going to go through a couple of the questions that we had this week. I'm going to really encourage you to ask some more questions. Keep them coming. Podcast at HermanLondon.com. And, uh, you know, check out our website if you want to see some of the pictures. And so here we go. Uh, I had a question about Lake St. Louis. 
There is someone who owns a home in Lake St. Louis, but they don't have access to the Lake St. Louis lake. You know, they can't put their boat on the lake. And they're wondering why, and they're wondering what they have to do to basically get access to that lake. Um, I know this is a very specific question, but this is what I love. So in Lake St. Louis, they have what they call a community association. If you live in certain areas around the lake or in certain subdivisions, you can basically have the option to join the community association, which then gives you access to the lake. It's pretty much that simple. Uh, Most of the homes, obviously, that are on the lake have that. But, for example, my parents live in Lake St. Louis, but they live kind of on the other side of 40, and they, they they don't have a community association membership that gives them access to the lake. So... If you live in Lake St. Louis and if you're in the community association, you can also upgrade and pay another fee. I think it's about $500 or so a year. Don't hold me to that. But that gets you unlimited access to golf. That's right, uh, unlimited access to golf, access to the tennis courts, that type of thing. So the basic question was, if I live in Lake St. Louis, how can I get access to the community association or why don't I or access to the lake? And that's it. You basically have to have access to the community association. Um, If you are interested in moving to Lake St. Louis and you have a specific question about a specific house, please contact me because I'm really familiar with the Lake St. Louis Community Association, mainly because my dad, who's also a realtor, Larry Cruz, uh, is extremely interested in the community association. He's a very detailed person, so I've learned a lot about it. And you can't necessarily look at the listing and see. A lot of realtors that list homes out there don't know a whole lot necessarily about Lake St. Louis, I'm not trying to talk bad about realtors, but they if you haven't done a deal in Lake St. Louis and you don't and you're not aware of this community association, you might not know. So call myself or call our office or call my dad and ask us if the property's in the community association or not. So, you know, our office number is 314-802-0797. My dad's name and number is Larry Cruz and his number is 314-614-9108. He's truly our Lake St. Louis expert. So, If you have specific questions about it, I guess just call him directly. Um, We met today with a realtor who is, I guess you could say, older than a millennial or older than a, what's it called, X X class or whatever. I forget what it's called. You know, there's, there's I don't know the nice way to say that they're just a little bit older. They're probably over 45 or whatever. And uh, I've met with these kind of people a lot, these types of realtors. And there's this big thing about, technology. And I feel like some of the older people that don't quite get technology that maybe didn't grow up around it are nervous about technology and they think they can't be a successful realtor without, you know, having a Twitter account or whatever. And I've seen some young people who all they are some young realtors who all they do is count on their Twitter or their Facebook account or whatever. And that doesn't necessarily get them the kind of business that they want. So, you know, the question is kind of like, do I have to be a web guru to be successful as a realtor? And I would say absolutely not. We talk about that we want the Herman London Group and we and we feel that the Herman London Group is a high tech, high touch, high touch company, meaning we love leverage technology to give us the opportunity to have better communication with our clientele. So for example, on our Facebook, you don't see us on there saying, Please, please buy a house from us, please, please, whatever. But we just kind of like to keep people informed through our social media, especially me. I like to keep people informed through my social media. A lot of you probably get my monthly newsletter. But no, if you want to be a realtor, you don't necessarily have to be extremely high tech. We just had a realtor join our company today. She's like, what is this DocuSign? It's electronic signatures. Does she have to use it? No. 
Well, I make sure that she's aware of it and knows how to use it very likely, but she definitely doesn't have to use it. So we had another question about what CRM do we use? Well, I think that that question probably came from someone who got our monthly newsletter and they're asking about that. The CRM that I use, the the software basically that I use to keep track of my database, past clients, friends, family, that type of thing, we use a system called Realty Juggler. You can go there, realtyjuggler.com. I always describe that software as being extremely ugly, but as ugly as it is, it's double as effective. It's really a great software. Keep track of my database. We use it to keep track of tasks on deals that we have. So we always know where we are. You know, in theory, we'll never miss something because there's a task assigned to it. And that's what we use Realty Juggler for. And then for the monthly newsletters, we use MailChimp or sometimes MailyGen. But in, in general, we love MailChimp. Lastly, and we're just going to wrap this up because we had a really long interview with Darren, which was fantastic. But I wanted to put a call out to the realtors. Um, I just got elected to be... Uh, I guess I got appointed to be on the board for the St. Louis Association of Realtors. We just had like the big gala for the new president to be appointed. I'm now on the real estate board. I'll be on it for a year. And basically, I want to know how can I serve you? If you're a realtor listening to this podcast and you have questions or you have feedback or you want something else from the Association of Realtors, I would love it if you would reach out to me. I don't care what company you work for. Uh, so I've been on a lot of different committees, and so I'm pretty familiar with how it all works, but I, I love to serve you, especially, I guess, any realtor really in general, but especially if you're another small real estate broker or boutique company or that type of thing, you know, I'd like to make sure we're well represented and that you're, that really that you're informed. One of the reasons I love being on the St. Louis Association, you know, being involved there and being on the board and being on these different committees is I love what, knowing what's going on. I love being able to inform our agents of what's going on. And I'd like to be able to kind of plan for how we can, uh, you know, interact with these things for the future. So that's it for this week's podcast. Check it out. HermanLunda.com. Click on the blog. We'll have the podcast posted and uh, check out the photos from this week. See what Darren looks like and uh, give us an email podcast at HermanLunda.com. We'd really like your questions and your input. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye.